Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And this is the Endurance Innovation Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Endurance Innovation. And today we're doing an episode that uh, Michael and I had talked about briefly. Uh, he kind of called me out on it, and selfishly, I thought this would be an opportunity to squeeze some coaching knowledge out of him. Um, <laughs> but hopefully, everyone can benefit from it. But the topic for today is strength training for triathletes or for cyclists. Um, and it might be interesting to explore both. But uh, I think we're both in very strong agreement that strength training is important, but I also realize that the vast majority of triathletes would rather put in a run <laughs> than lift some weights. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. But before we actually get into it, I, I want to address what you said in your intro is that you're squeezing me for coaching knowledge, which is something that I do all the time to our guests. You know, that's <laughs> we keep talking about the fact that the, one of the uh, kind of the, the fringe benefits of, uh, of doing this podcast is that you get to, you know, milk smart people for for knowledge. And so I'm uh, I'm I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm flattered that you're, you feel you feel that way about me and I'm happy to share. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Andrew. I, uh, I, I, you know, in putting my coach hat on, um, I definitely see triathletes struggle with with making time for strength training. Uh, it's a very common, uh, you know, it's it's the first thing that goes right. Like you got to swim, you got to bike, you have to run, or in my case, you just have to bike and run <laughs> and maybe swim at some point. Uh, but the squeezing squeezing strength training in there is is definitely not easy. So where are you in your uh, in your training currently? How much strength training are you doing? Well, it's been an interesting journey for me, actually, because I've um, I've been all over the map in terms of training. So before I got into triathlon, I was actually doing a lot of weightlifting. So not bodybuilding or anything like that, but um, I was focused on gaining weight then. Uh, and I think I topped out close to probably 90 or 95 kilograms. So oh, wow. okay. um, for a six foot person, uh, <laughs> mixing units here, so <laughs> 1.8 meter person, um, it's, uh, you know, that's a fair amount of weight to carry around. And I realized that when I was going up and down stairs <laughs> and shortly after <laughs> starting triathlon, I realized, okay, maybe I don't want to be this heavy anymore. Well, there's that photo of you. It was like one of your first seasons or your first season yes. where you were like, you're, you, you've got a lot of upper body, like muscle mass. You look ripped. Yeah, yeah. So I look back at that. <laughs> I look back at that picture and laugh like I just did, uh, because it is not me now. Um, so I've uh, I've gone the complete opposite direction, and probably the direction a lot of triathletes go, where you just focus on maybe not light to the extent of um, decreasing performance, but at, at least leaning out a bunch, not not carrying extra weight. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not specifically trying to lose weight. But uh, I've, I guess I'm lucky in some respects where I just have a body type that's uh, more willing to shed weight than to put on weight. I'm not super lean, but I'm also naturally fairly thin. So it's, it's mm. easy for me in that respect, but, uh, yeah, I'm the, I'm my, the opposite. I, I put on weight very easily. <laughs> so I'm jealous of your ability to, to, to get rid of it, but yeah, you know, no one's ever happy with what they've got. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Very true. So yeah, I mean, we can, we can definitely touch on uh, body composition, uh, and like ideal muscle mass. And there's lots of people who have, uh, strong feelings about this and, uh, you know, that, that, that go either way. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, 
Why don't we? Why don't we start? Yeah. Sorry. Just well, getting back to the question I asked you. Where are you yeah, at right now? I, I didn't actually answer that. Um, <laughs> so we we had done an episode previously. This is probably a year and a half ago, talking about CrossFit. And at the time, I was mm-hmm. doing CrossFit, and that was just kind of when COVID was. It was in one in between some of the waves before it had gotten really bad again. But uh, I, I got out of that just because I didn't want the extra exposure, and really, I haven't lifted a weight since hmm. then. Okay. So. As of right now, it's safe to assume that I have very little strength. I've got good knowledge of most of the the movements, but I, okay, I have very that's little strength. So, um, I think there's there's probably a decent number of triathletes who have had some exposure to weightlifting at some point in their life. But I, I suspect that I'm in probably one of the largest groups where people who have done weightlifting in the past, uh, but are not currently doing it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think you're probably overestimating that bucket. I think lots of people don't have too much, at least not really quality in, instruction in, in weightlifting. Um, so maybe what I'll do is I'll start with sort of really broad strokes advice that, appro- that applies to, to everybody. And then we can, we can focus in a little bit on your specific case, which, you know, I, I do agree. There's, there's enough folks that have maybe come from a strength background or have had good instruction in the past. So yes, uh, starting with the obvious, uh, what I think is the obvious and really, you know, I think, sports science and coaching at this point has 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 uh, narrowed down on this and have converged on the fact that yes strength training is important there's all sorts of benefits there's a very obvious injury reduction um there's uh there's a clear performance benefit um so it's uh it's it's a win and it's the the benefits increase or like the roi increases the older you get mm-hmm. um the roi also is higher for women than it is for men just because uh, men naturally have a slightly um better ability to maintain muscle mass and as you know you were the pr- you were just the prime example of once you start doing endurance sports it, with any kind of volume you naturally lose body mass right most of us will naturally lose body mass unless you're me and so <laughs> you um you know in order to maintain that muscle mass and and part of the body you know obviously lose fat but you will also lose muscle provided unless you're doing the kind of the right things to maintain it so this is a little bit this is a little bit more of a case for for women than it is for men uh, but we all will benefit from some some amount of strength training which will vary based on you know uh, sex like i said and uh, age and also you know what phase of training you're in like where you are in your training season so strength training is good right we can kind of take that one off and and, and move on past that um if for most triathletes uh i think and cyclists are, i think are probably a little bit better at this runners maybe maybe not cyclists i think have sort of bought in but this is my like kind of my gut feel on the on the state of the of the of the sport cyclists have sort of bought in a little bit more than triathletes or maybe they have a little bit more time to spend since they're only concerned with one sport i i don't know how much upper body work they do <laughs> wow you know they 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 don't skip leg day um, but yeah, the one group of people. <laughs> that's right. Um, okay, so we we can agree. I think that that it's it's useful for all of us endurance folks. Um, so then the next step is uh, figuring out exactly you know kind of what you need to do and how you can fit it in. And I think the I don't know if it's a mistake people make or if it's um, maybe it's a it's a product of our of our culture that people want the best program, right? They want the best series of lifts or movements and the the best combination of sets and reps. And they, they try to make it very specific. Um, and for the kind of people that 
I think most of us find ourselves most the kind of position that most of us find ourselves in, which is coming from not doing any strength. The this is a, a flippant way of putting it, but like any strength training of any sort, provided it doesn't hurt you, is going to be useful for you, right? So it's you know the keep it simple, stupid sort of adage. Like you just want to you just want to start doing some kind of resistance training, and that's going to be a big win versus nothing. And I think there's also going to be a significant buy-in, uh, like a monetary buy-in for people as well, um, where you're going to have simple equipment to start. And as you build up and build out, then you'll be able to graduate to more complex exercises. So I think looking at it from that perspective is probably the most relevant for a lot of people. Absolutely. And I think uh, uh, you're absolutely right. There's going to be a certain point at which you you hit your, you know, you hit the limit of what you can do without much equipment. Um, but that limit is you know, you can do quite a bit, you can improve quite a bit, um, without really having anything other than your body weights and maybe a couple of bands. Uh, so the focus kind of, uh, on the focus of strength training or strength training programming, the way that I like to do it is, uh, when I, you know, when I offer it to the folks I work with is it's kind of a, you know, a choose your own adventure sort of thing. Where you know um, within uh, within a session, um, I will I will encourage folks to do some mobility that is relevant to what they are you know what they're going to be working on that day or just general to their um, to their sport or to their you know if they have niggles or injuries you know injuries we have to be very careful around but anything that's been especially validated by a physiotherapist like that's in the mobility part of the workout that's where I would include any kind of physiotherapy or chiro recommended movements. So what's your definition of mobility then? Is it, uh, is it stretching or just functional movements or how, do, how does that play in? Yeah. I mean, so mobility is the, the, the whole point of like the, the warm up. So we actually, we, we should say that there, I, I really do think that there should be a, a traditional warm up component to, to any kind of strength training. And that can be, you know, any, any one of our favorite aerobic endurance exercises, right? So anything, I think we're probably good at that. Yeah, we're good at that. So anything like 10 to 15 minutes just to get the body warm, it doesn't even need to be that long, like five, if it's a warm day, just to really legitimately raise your core temperature a little bit, because as we've talked about a number of times, um, warm muscles can produce substantially more force than cold muscles. So a little bit of like warming up is really, really good at you. And I think it's been, I don't have any citations for this, but I think it's been pretty well proven that stretching or when you're cold, like on, on actually cold muscles is actually pretty dangerous where you can lead to injuries. You can, uh, overextend, I think. Yeah. I, I remember hearing that. I actually, I also don't have a, a citation for that. I remember hearing it. I don't know. Um, where, yeah, I, I can't, well, I can't back that up, but I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, yeah. <laughs> let's say, let's say maybe. So let's just say that warm ups are a good idea. Like legitimate warm ups where you're, all you're doing is trying to elevate core, core, not even core temperature, but muscle temperature. So once you've done that, um, so what, I, what, I, how I think about mobility is really like you can think about it as dynamic stretching, right. Or movements that take movements that are not loaded uh, or very lightly loaded that take you through the full range of motion of the joints you're going to be working. Okay. So that's like a rough way of doing it. So a really simple example would be like, if you're going to be squatting today, um, doing, you know, uh, air squats, right? So like body weight squats would be a really good mm -hmm. way of like, would be a good 
kind of would be a good activation movement for squats, right? There's all sorts of there's there's a whole like library of these things for the different kind for for your different uh, for the different movement patterns that you can do. Um, and uh, if anyone listeners, if you if you're curious, you can just send me a note on Instagram or um, you know re- find me on email, and I will be happy to share this stuff with you. Now, I didn't invent any of it. I I stole it from other people, so I don't claim any ownership like, oh, to it. Just do. <laughs> yeah, of course, right? So, like, I mean, there's some very smart people that make this up, and then, and then, you know, the squad has been around since we all were born and could, could you know, sit, there, could walk, basically. Um, so, yeah, so, so it's a, basically it's a, it's there's a, it's a series of movements that that take your your joints through the full range of motion that is going to be relevant to the exercises you're going to be doing. And to be honest, the first thing that came to mind was unweighted lunges because you get a lot of nice leg movement there. Um, yep. You can kind of walk across the room and that kind of paces out how many you do. And sure. uh, I think those are, for me, those are a pretty good starting point. Um, air squats as well. And and while I think of it, I know when I was doing CrossFit, the uh, the way that we would typically warm up was just using a dowel to replicate all the movements. So mm-hmm. it's unweighted. It just goes through the motions. It gets your muscles moving, lets you work yep. on form. So that's um, it. You just want to make sure that you hit all the kind of the the joint, right? So like our muscles move our joints, right? That's a st- silly thing to say, but you if you're going to be if you're going to be flexing or extending a joint as part of the movement that you're going to be doing in the in the full workout, you you want to take that joint through its full c- controlled full range of motion um, before doing the workout. It's you know like it's, yeah, like you said, if we if you're going to be doing. Um, squats, you may do some air squats or some lunges. If you're going to be doing deadlifts, you know, there's all sorts of hip hinge movements that we can talk about that you can do. It's like, you know, good, like waiter bows or good mornings, or there's lots of them, right? Um, if you're going to be doing, you know, uh, any kind of, uh, any kind of, uh, pulling, you know, there's all sorts of scapular retraction stuff you can do like, uh, scapular pushups, or you can do kind of, uh, you know, you can do lightweight, lightweight rows. So there's all sorts of things like a lightweight exercise is really good prep for that exercise. It's, it's as simple as that. Okay. That's, uh, yeah. Now that you say it, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> It, it, it's straightforward, right? And that's kind of like you don't have to you don't have to make it complicated. So, um, uh, so then once we, once we're warmed up and we've done a little bit of activation stuff, um, I'm a fan of uh, kind of keeping you know three or four exercises in a workout, uh, and this is in an effort not to be in the gym for ninety minutes, right? So I think you can get a very effective workout in you know, provided you can kind of stack it, let's say, let's say strength training is not your current focus, but it's important to you. Maybe you do an easy run or an easy bike. And then on top of, so that's your warm up, And then on top of that, you would, you would put your strength session. And so then you're, you're already warmed up and then 20 minutes is probably enough to do a half decent, a half decent session, 30, 40 minutes. You're, you're solid. There's no reason. I say there's no reason for anyone to be doing more than like 60 minutes of dedicated strength training. If you're an endurance athlete, if you've got that much time, then I would like, I would make the case you should be putting that into your primary sport uh, of cycling, swimming, running, right? Because there's probably more, more you can gain. Um, And it's better to do like two or maybe even three weight sessions a week than, than spending an hour or more uh, in any one session. So anyway, let's talk about the main set, Uh, three to four exercises. And so um, for, for, uh, so you may have, if you, if you kind of 
been around the gym bro culture at all you may have heard of like split days where like oh today's my like you know my wrist flexor day and tomorrow is my like right hamstring day and the day after that is my wrist flexor day <laughs> right so those are important they, they make your forearms like that you get the popeye forearms with you <laughs> if you work the wrist flexors um but uh yeah and if you so so i don't i, I like there's no reason for for folks like us who you know, don't train very much, don't do a ton of strength training volume, uh, maybe train two to three times a week in strength training. There's no reason to do that kind of those kind of splits. So the way that um, I've always been recommended by, again, people smarter than me to do to structure strength session for folks like us is to do very similar style work every single session you do. So there's so every session should have three or four of uh, a, a squat movement, and I'll go over what what I mean by squat movements. Obviously, one of them is a squat. Um, hip hinge movements; uh, those two are like essential. And then the third and the fourth are like an upper body pull and an upper body push. So if you're gonna do, if you're only gonna do three, so I would do squat, hip hinge, and then either a pull or a push. And then if you're gonna do four, you can you can do all four of them. Okay. And so within those four categories, there is a whole whack load of movements that you can employ that to do one of each. So then to keep things fresh, you just, you just cycle through the different, let's say squat variations that, you know, so squat variations. Okay. So there's the back squat, right? It's great. If you've got, this is, if you have equipment, so I'm going to assume equipment. And if you don't have equipment, we can, we can kind of pare it down a little bit. Yeah. And I think the back squat, that's the one that everyone's most familiar with. Yeah, if but but so many people do it poorly. <laughs> I <laughs> so think back that squat. can be said for a lot of training. That's fair. So okay, back squat. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm certainly. I'm not a powerlifting expert, so I'm going to try to stay in my lane here. But basically, it's uh, it's bar on your on your. It's either like upper traps or it is lower down, almost like on deltoids, depending if you're doing like an Olympic weightlifting squat or a powerlifting squat. And I don't even remember what the difference is. And my like my back in the day coach would have would wag his finger at me for not remembering the difference. But anyway, um, the idea, the back squat is primarily a glute and quad dominant movement. Uh, so very, very, very relevant to cyclists, quite relevant to runners, um, not so relevant to swimmers, unless you want your feet to sink. But, you know, it's still it's still part of the thing. <laughs> for pushing um, off the wall. For pushing, exactly, for pushing off the wall. That's exactly a squat. Um, a front squat's also super useful. So front squat's when the weight's in front of you rather than behind you. Uh, front squat means your trunk is much more upright and there's a lot more load on the quads as opposed to the glutes. So it's a little bit more quad dominant movement. Uh, certainly very useful for cycling. Um, runners, you got to be a little bit careful with if you're already a quad dominant runner, have lots of knee issues, you know, front squats may or may not be something useful. Talk to your physiotherapist. Um, lunges, of course, are a squat variation, right? Because they're they're also mm-hmm. super important because at the end of the day, uh, squats are bilateral movements, right? Both feet on the ground doing the same thing. Um, and we don't run or swim or bike that way, right? Um, and so it's very important to be able to translate that maximal strength or power that you develop in a squat um, into a single leg movement. And that's where you start to find all your imbalances too. Like, oh, my left leg, I can do 20 and my le- right leg, I can only do 12. And so um, that's, pro- that's too many reps to do anyway. So don't, that's a bad example, but. <laughs> At least you haven't brought up overhead squats, which are my least favorite kind of squat out there. Okay, so the only reason you should be doing an overhead squat, in my opinion, is if you're trying to get a snatch, right? Like a proper barbell snatch. You have to obviously mm-hmm. overhead snatch, overhead squat to do a barbell snatch. 
And unless you're doing that and, or, or listen, listen, okay. So strength training is super fun. Like it's super fun <laughs> to learn all the stuff and it's like sexy. And when you get a proper overhead squat, it's great. It feels awesome. So by all means, like go to town, but it's like the last thing yet. you need to, you need to learn to do if you're, well, maybe the full barbell snatch is the last thing you need to do if you're a, a triathlete. They're awesome movements. They're super cool. But you know, as far as utility, you know, they, you get, you develop good power, but if you can clean, you're golden, which is also like advanced sort of from our perspective. All right. I think we're, we're probably we're getting, off topic. getting too far in depth <laughs> Sorry. there. Okay. So, uh, squat variations. Yeah. Uh, back front, uh, and then lunges and lunges can be like turned into split squats, which is a lunge where your feet don't move. Right. So your feet, you kind of plant your feet and you go up and down, up and down. And then when you finish your set, you, you swap your feet. And then there's the, um, um, the Bulgarian version, which is the rear leg, rear foot elevated. And you can look all of this stuff up and it's awesome. That's a very, very good, um, movement or strength exercise for for runners especially the bulgarian split squat um excellent but and uh, that's that's where you basically have your foot on a like the the rear foot on a bench kind of the, right. the top of your foot in, yeah. i'm trying to explain this without using my hands and yeah uh, yeah it's, yeah, it's like a lunge where your top, top foot is Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, it's at a level that's higher than your bottom foot. Um, so I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go through all the variations of all the movements that I'm going to list today. Cause then we'll be here forever and it'll be a really boring podcast. But suffice this, the, the point I'm trying to make is you as a practitioner or your coach, whoever can pick any one of these and cycle through it. And if you know, you have a massive imbalance and you are already reasonably strong, maybe then maybe you focus more on the, on the, on the, on the, on the unilateral stuff, like the single leg stuff. So maybe you spend more time doing lunges and split squats than you would on like, you know, squats or, or, or front squats or whatever. Okay. Now, when you're doing these bilateral exercises, um, does the body have a natural tendency to compensate for the weaker leg or does it bring them Probably. bring them together eventually? No, probably. You're, you're probably compensating. So you're more like you're, you're quite likely compensating. So if you do, if you are aware of an imbalance, then unless so look, when you go to failure and you, especially if you have somebody watching you or you're quite body aware, you can probably you can you will start to notice which leg is weaker when you're starting to max out, um, which we can talk about for sure, um, which maybe shouldn't be doing too much, especially as a beginner. Don't max, don't max out your, your reps. Probably not the best idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, most, mo more than likely you are compensating and that's why the single leg stuff is super important to do at least to check in. So if you have a, if you notice in the single leg stuff, you have a big imbalance, then you probably should be spending, like I said, more time doing the single leg stuff just to try and mm -hmm. address that imbalance. So you, you mentioned maxing out briefly. I don't want to yeah. derail us here in the middle of the, the routine, the, uh, <laughs> the weight training routine that we've got going, but, uh, why don't we touch on, so we'll go through the exercises and then we'll come back to the number of reps and the sure. kind of weights that, uh, that we should be looking at in the number. Of you sets. may have to remind me, Andrew, cause I, I, I just, I, I maybe on too much of a roll. Um, <laughs> I can, okay. I can feel the fire in your voice right now. Uh, hip hinges. So hip hinges are terrifically useful and super relevant exercises that naturally people don't do well. So when you were a baby or a small child, you they, they can all hip hinge. I taught my like six-year-old how to do it in, in five minutes, but uh, but adults are much tougher to, you know, they're less plastic, uh, men, you know, <laughs> kind of mentally. And so a hip hinge is super important. And it's, uh, it's basically, if you're doing a deadlift properly, that's what's happening. So this is where, if you think of a squat, where the, in a squat, your, um, your hips are largely moving up and down, 
So it's you can think of it as like sitting down in a chair and getting up off that chair. In a in a deadlift or deadlift variation, your hips are moving for your forward and back. So like uh, you're moving. Um, there's anterior posterior movement of the hips so that is the difference between squats and deadlifts they're very different movements they they engage you know they use partially this you know largely the same muscle groups but they use them differently um so because so much of our movement in cycling and running is just you know kind of up and down as a squat i I wish i remember again like i'm getting bad poor marks for my like anatomy here like i wish i remembered the names for all the planes of motion um which i really should know but i forget so rather than moving up and down in a squat in a deadlift you're moving forward and backwards it's a very very useful pattern to to get your head around um because it does a lot of things for you it actually lets you into a better aero position for one thing because it improves hip mobility so it lets you it lets you pedal from a deeper from a deeper um hip angle you know when we talk about hip angle for bike fit that deadlift you puts you in like well squat too but like a deadlift helps you strengthen and lengthen your hamstrings which is essential for that kind of thing Hmm. squats and deadlifts are going to the top of my list squats and deadlifts should always be at the top of your list so deadlift should really be should really be uh, taught to you if you and squat as well like it's it really does pay to have a very good strength coach show you how to do these movements it's very very good uh it's very useful for you and then you can go and you know go away and do them on your own but uh whether in person or or virtual it's really makes it does make sense to to train some of this stuff um so in deadlifts again there's a a, there's a whole bunch of variation including bilateral and and single leg um both are both are valuable obviously bilateral the the bilateral deadlift is the heaviest weight lift in kind of like powerlifting um and so it's really fun to throw a lot of weight or like not throw you to lift a lot of weight and the deadlift for most 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 people will be the biggest amount of weight that they could move so it's super satisfying also if you're in the gym and you've got like you know reasonable size plates on your bar um so deadlifts are essential and then what did i say upper push so this is what we're talking about is like bench press push-up is an amazing body weight upper body push uh any kind of overhead pressing right also an upper body push whether or not you're doing it like a full military press or or, you know, if you're if you're trying to move a lot of weight and trying to work on power, you can do some push presses, which is a press with a little bit of a knee pop um, to, to drive the weight up. Um, and then upper body pulls are anything like uh, pull up would be or pull up or chin up would be the classic sort of uh, uh, body weight example of that. Um, and then any kind of like rows like uh, barbell or dumbbell rows or cable rows, whether they are bent over or seated um, or, or cable pull downs. Those are all examples of your upper body pulling right versus your upper body pushing. So if you think about like the on the pull. Uh, if your elbow is extending, right, your arm is 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 stretch is uh, is um, yeah, your elbow is extending, so your arm is opening up. Um, that is a that's a push, right, Stay, straightforward. And if it's doing the inverse, if the elbow is flexing, then that's a pull. Um, pulls, I would probably say, are slightly more useful than pushes, but get both of them in the rotation. Now, the pulls would that primarily help out on swimming then, because it seems like it's uh, the kind of motion that you would typically go through during totally. the, the pull of a stroke. Yeah, exactly. So the pull, so, you know, in swimming, you know, the primary uh, upper, you know, ideally, if, you're, if your stroke's good, you're, uh, you're, you're doing most of your work with the, with the latissimus dorsi muscles, which are the big back, the, the, what's the right anatomical term for this? The, the superficial muscles in the back, right? The ones that are closest to the skin. Uh, and that's a big, strong muscle group if you develop it. Um, and that's where most of the power in the pull should come from. 
Uh, mind you, the push is still a still a factor because the final like flick of the of the elbow that's a tricep extension, right? If we're if we're mm. talking about it, so that's that's where the tricep ex- the strong that's triceps also make a make. That's why you that's why coaches always make you do press outs at the end of the pool, right? So that you're developing. And it's kind of like a dip, right? You're you're developing the the tricep extension. Um, but yeah, it's it's useful. On, it is useful in the swim, but it's also very useful in the aerial position, right? Because you're you have you have you have to maintain your upper body posture for very long periods of time in the aero position so strong back muscles are essential and upper body pulls are all about developing the back muscles the upper the the middle and upper back muscles so um speaking of aero positions the other thing that comes to mind is uh just the weight of your helmet and mm-hmm. you know holding your head cantilevered out like that uh <laughs> it's not the most natural position it's not how we evolved uh we we evolved to have our spine in line supporting everything so is there anything that we should be doing or is just riding in that position enough? That's a great question. I actually don't have a good answer for you, Andrew. Um, I'm going to have to look into that one. But uh, certainly riding in it does help. Um, having, you know, having strong, so you would be, you'd be, it depends on what your head position is doing, right? Like you're, it's, you probably want to avoid spending a lot of time in aero with a lot of like cervical spine uh, extension. Right, so this is where you're, where you're fairly, where your shoulders are fairly low, but your head is tilted all the way up, so that your neck is, so the back of your head is close to the, you know, to the, to your neck, basically. Um, so spinal extension of the cervical spine, the cervical spine is your neck. Um, that is not a great position for lots of reasons. So I don't know that you want to strengthen yourself in that position because that could, you know, again, I'm sort of guessing here, but that could introduce some dysfunction that you do not want. Okay, so if you've got a horizontal torso, you want to have your face looking straight at the ground. Is that well, not exactly, right? But then you can sort of. You, we've talked about this with Sebastian. He's got the the tip of you know the the proper tips for, tips for these. But it's it's kind of like you're trying to drop your your chin as close to your forearms as possible, and so you're sort of depressing your head. And you are you you are definitely in in cervical spine extension at that point. Um, but it's not as nearly as dramatic as if you remember like the you know the time trial of of the days of or the tri- triathletes of the 90s and early aughts with the really long-tailed helmets that needed to be mm-hmm. like tucked right in between the shoulder blades and they were they had some pretty extreme cervical spine going on there so yeah, if I you're spending four or five that. or six hours like that that seems like yeah, a recipe for disaster not so good and those helmets were like 400 and 450 grams too like they were like a pound on top of your on top of your bean uh yeah not not super comfy I, th- I think probably moderation is the uh, the best answer there. So don't yep. lift your head too high. Don't put it down too far because that's going to increase the load. Um, both of those would increase the load in different areas. So um, yeah. So find something that uh, probably feels comfortable and that's probably going to best suit you. Yeah, and definitely try it. Try riding. This is not a strength training tip, but like when you're doing race simulation workouts, put on that aero helmet. You know, make the have the roadies all make fun of you, and uh, and then go and go and do your long rides that way because you've got to you know you got to train your neck. Uh, you know, that's that's what they would call a functional strength. <laughs> <laughs> and I I totally made that mistake in. Uh, it was Ironman Cozumel. Um, so I did not ride enough with my helmet on in aero position before the race. I was coming off because it was in November. I was coming off riding all summer. And of course, it's easy to do then because you're outdoors so much. And then you you get there and you start riding out, outdoors again because November in Calgary is not particularly good for tri bikes on the <laughs> road. Uh, so, yeah, I was... I was hurting a little bit. And I mean, the race didn't go well for other reasons, but that was not helping the cause either. 
Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, one thing you though you did bring up that you know in the specificity to our sport uh, that's really relevant and that I totally glossed over, and that's the 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 importance of training your ankles, right? Like this is something that we we didn't talk about because the big movements, you know, the big movements I was talking about are all like either hip or shoulder, you know, primarily or knee and elbow as well. Um, but ankles are key, right? And by ankles, I mean training the uh, training primarily the calf muscles, and so with and this is this is obviously for running. Uh, somewhat for cycling, but primarily for running. Uh, strong, strong calf muscles. So this is the the gastrocnemius and the uh, the soleus muscles primarily are exceptionally important. So um, this is where when when form starts to fall apart, it's usually those muscles that fatigue first. Um, and training them is, is is super super useful, especially if you have any kind of um, either plantar fasciitis history or Achilles tendinopathy issues. Um, super important to train those muscles, and probably your physiotherapist had you doing that. Those those exercises anyway. Um, it, they don't need to be super complicated, but they need it's and it's also reasonable to throw them in before you do the other stuff. So you kind of maybe do them in your during your activation or or warm up phase. Um, so uh, progressing to you know from bilateral if you're really not strong or are coming up from an injury in the lower leg or foot. Um, to unilateral, um, and there the idea is you want to go slow, 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 um, both concentric and eccentric. So concentric is when you're in the you know in this in this uh, where the muscle is shortening under load. That's a technical definition, but basically in a calf raise, it's when you are you know your heels are coming up from the ground or from the stair if you're doing those kind of things. And eccentric is when you're coming back down and you want both of those to be slow and you both, you want, you want to be fairly heavily loaded for that um, eventually, right? Like not, not at first, but eventually you do want to load it, especially if you're doing some rehab on it, but even just to develop, to develop that sort of that foot, um, ankle, uh, calf strength. And like I said, for running, it's, it's essential. That should be part of every time you do strength training. Uh, those, those kind of calf raises should be, should be part of that program as well. So I'm actually someone who's come back from a bit of an ankle injury that it wasn't debilitating, but it significantly limited mobility. And every once mm-hmm. in a while, if I lean too far forward with the dorsiflexion movement, it would mm-hmm. pinch and it would hurt a lot. Um, and that exact movement was something that uh, my physiotherapist um, had recommended. And yeah, she did a fantastic job. So shout out to Maddie for helping me through many injuries. <laughs> Nice way to go, Maddie. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that's that's a must to include. So that's something that you can even some you know sometimes I'll I'll do them at work because you know if I need to take a little break from work. Um, so calves, and then those those three or four movements that I went through. You want to talk about sets and reps. Um, so this really depends on how much what what you have available to you. Obviously, if you're doing these as body weight exercises you're going to have a higher rep count. Um, maybe not at first, like for example, pull-ups are really hard, right? I don't know that many people who have 10 pull-ups, right? There's there are definitely lots of them out there, but I just don't happen to know very many of them <laughs> who can do 10 unassisted pull-ups. That's that's hard work. I, I certainly can't anymore. I used to be able to, but that's, those days are long behind me. Um, so, uh, you know, so some of them are not, not easy, right? And like push-ups for some people are more difficult also. Um, but, you know, most of us can do 10 bodyweight squats quite comfortably. Uh, so in those cases, yeah, the, the, the rep range has to be a little bit higher and this number of sets is going to be lower. Um, in terms of how, how many you would do, uh, if you're kind of, you know, if you're limited by, if you're limited by equipment, you want to do 
once you've spent two to let's say two to three weeks not going anywhere near failure just working on getting your um getting your um technique down and just getting your body used to strength training again this is what they would call like the adaptation phase um yeah two to four weeks is enough for most people um this is where you learn anything you don't already know and i like i said uh, you know really retaining the services of a of a qualified uh, coach or strength trainer is a really good idea in this case um then after that phase, if you're going to do, if you're going to go a little bit heavier, a little bit, uh, you know, closer to failure, you always want to have at least two reps in reserve. This is what, you know, my strength coach always told me. And that's regardless of, well, depending how skilled you are. If you're very good, you can probably go down to one, one rep in reserve. So the idea there is you want to stop with the confidence you can do one more. And is that mostly from a safety standpoint so that you don't get partway through a rep and have something go seriously wrong? Yeah, look, if you're lifting heavy weights, you should always have a spotter, right? Or you should be in a cage of some sort where if you if you have to bail, you can bail safely, right? Like if you're, mm-hmm. especially if you're doing any kind of squat or especially where like a bench press, you need, you need safeties, right? Or a spotter. Um, there's all sorts of, there's like, you know, YouTube careers that, that have been made out of, out of people not following those rules and, and, you know, becoming, becoming famous for all the wrong reasons. Um, <laughs> So, so don't, don't be that person. Um, but if you're doing body weight, like nothing's really going to go wrong, but you will be really sore, right? You'll be super sore the next day. So the idea is more that you want to not exceed your body's ability to cope with the load, right? Mm-hmm. Because remember, this is, you know, unless you were, you know, you're ditching your triathlon career in, in favor of powerlifting, um, this is a supplementary sort of set of training, right? Like it's cross training. And so you, it would be, it's, a, it's always a shame to, to compromise the quality swim, bike, run work because you're too sore from, you know, the, the split squats that you did the night before. Is there ever a point in your training season that you would want to put the primary focus on weight training as opposed to, you know, just keeping a, a base, very light workouts for a swim, bike, run, but then yeah. put a lot more focus, a lot more effort into the like building up strength? For sure, for sure there is. But before, yeah, before I answer that, so just just to finish up the um uh the this the set rep thing. So you know, kind of keep, keep. Remember what I said in the beginning, like you want to keep the workout to about you know thirty to forty forty five minutes long, right? Not including the warm up. So you can kind of structure your set reps that way. Um, so if you're doing body weight stuff and you got to do you know like twenty push-ups to get to get there to get to the point where you're starting to feel some effect you know that's that's probably where you want to stop you don't need to do like a hundred body weight squats that's that's definitely overkill um you you know you at that point you really need to find yourself some weights like you know fill some i don't know fill some stuff so fill some uh home depot buckets with concrete and and and, and do those as kettlebells <laughs> sounds like know, a rocky you, movie yeah there's ways there's ways you can get creative but uh always keep a few in reserve like you do not want to go to failure unless you're a very experienced weight you know strength training person weightlifter um in which case you can probably play around with it uh as far as like periodizing your strength training which is what you're what you were asking about like you know does it make sense sometimes to work a little bit harder uh yeah it depends right it depends on who you are if you're a younger male mm, probably not unless it it also depends on how good of a how how strong your swim bike run is right like you always want to spend you know the kind of the classic maxim of you of training your weaknesses right so if you are an, a, a very very good swimmer cyclist runner 
uh, and you have the time available, then yeah, maybe you want to put it into strength training. But if but for most people listening to this, I'm willing to bet there's a bigger hole in your training that like, you know, the the marginal gains of doing more strength strength training or heavier strength training you probably can put that time towards like becoming better at that swim bike run but maybe not right in which case and if if the answer is not if you're bumping up against you know you're you're not really getting a good roi on your you know endurance training um maybe try switching your endurance training but um then maybe then maybe periodizing and spending a little bit more time strength training does does make sense and i'm all for doing heavy heavy weights if you have access to a gym even if you're fairly new provided you can you get really good instruction and you're very very confident in your technique um then and you don't have any kind of dysfunctions because one of the things you don't ever want to do like if you for example we, we were talking about imbalances before um if you have a massive left right imbalance for example for some reason um doing like bilateral stuff like squats or deadlifts like both both legs in the same position you can be you could be exacerbating that imbalance right so like so the kind of the cl- the the classic term that that folks use is like adding strength to to dysfunction is a recipe for injury which makes sense right like if you don't want to be you don't want to exacerbate the problem so provided you don't have any of those things and you know what you're doing um lifting heavy is great and but again you don't need to be spending that much time in the gym lifting heavy and it's not lifting heavy that's going to make you sore it's going to be the total time under tension like if you think about it it's analogous to you know running or or cycling right so you can do For example, you can do an intense, I'm just going to pick, you know, some numbers. You can do a very, you can do a rather intense VO2 max 60 minute workout and not be sore the next day. Or you can do a two hour easy ride and not be sore the next day. But if you did a very intense two hour ride, you would be sore the next day, right? So it's your total Mm -hmm. kind of like intense, some sort some metric of intensity times duration that hurts you that is too much it's too much for your body it in its current state of fitness the exact same thing applies to strength training so when you start strength training you're going to be sore because you haven't done it ever before or, you, or it's been months since you've done it so i don't care what you do how let you go you're more like you're more than likely going to be somewhat sore but after a period of like that adaptation two to four week adaptation period you probably you if you're sore, you probably overdid it a little bit, right? So then you can kind of scale, you you can, you know, use that as a, as a feedback mechanism to, to scale up or down your, your, uh, the amount of weightlifting you're doing. So you were talking a little bit earlier about uh, keeping an eye on form and making sure that you're very careful about it. Um, this was always a pet peeve of mine in gyms when people stay so fixated on mirrors, but uh, if, you know, provided you're not just staring deeply into your own form and you're actually <laughs> evaluating what you're doing instead of admiring your muscles uh, or lack thereof in my case, but uh, would you recommend having some kind of mirrored setup to, to keep an eye on things? Well, it depends. So if you're doing, and I, I don't have a very strong opinion on this because it's been quite some time since I've strength coached. The best, the best case scenario is to have somebody who knows what they're doing look at you and give you give you pointers, right? Because they will see stuff that you're not going to see, and it's also not going to be distracting for you. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, like one of the beautiful things about you know learning all these movements is you're becoming better at you know proprioception of like learning where your body is in space. So, you know, the folks that I know that are very good at all of this stuff, they can obviously do it without any kind of feedback because they know what it feels like to do it well and to not do it well. They can feel when they're hit, you know, they're, they're hit their backs out of alignment or their hips are starting to like, you know, uh, go or whatever. Um, so getting, getting to that point is the dream. Um, 
until then, if you're going light, yeah, you can probably use the mirrors. But if you're going heavy, it's the mirrors are a distraction. You know, you kind of want to, you need to be all hands on deck and paying attention to what your, what your body is feeling like rather than what it's looking like. So maybe that's a good opportunity for the warm up that we were talking about earlier. If you're going through the motions, if you're going through the uh, the exercises, make sure that you get the right form. You understand what it feels like to be in a certain position. Like I know squats yeah. are a great example because there's so many people who love loading up the bar and then either they bend too far forward or don't really bend their legs very deeply. And yeah, they can get a lot of weight in a rep, but they're not really doing a squat either. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of, you know, uh, the, the bending forward in a squat, that's like you, there's some squats where you, there's actually a ton, like a ton of trunk lean depending on where the bar is sitting. Because the idea of a, of a squat is that like the bar is traveling. If you are looking at the side of the individual, the bar should be traveling straight up and down, right? So if you're doing any kind of motion capture, or if you do like a slow motion video or even just a like regular motion video, and then you just trace the path that the bar makes, it should be perfectly vertical in a perfect squat, right? So in some cases, the trunk lean, that's what you need in order to get the bar to move like that. The humorous picture I have coming to mind, and it's something, maybe I haven't seen it quite to this extent in a gym, but I've definitely seen people getting towards this is where you know, you get the butt up and the bar doesn't actually move. So yeah. it's extending the legs and bending the trunk at the same time. And then no, that's, yeah, that's bad news up. bears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's bad news bears. That's, that's where you get, that's where you get the back injuries. Yeah. yeah. They, they have to start at the same time. That's actually over like one of the common, one of the common fixes, right? That when you're watching folks squat is that they, the hips and the shoulders need to come up at the same time. Yeah. And that takes a lot of like, that takes a lot of abdominal bracing, right? Trunk bracing in order to do that well and like muscle coordination. And so it's like, it's all, all, all this amazing stuff is happening in your brain and your body. You just got to not load it until you're very, you know, you're very comfortable with it. Um, so one thing I didn't touch on, and that's like, you know, your sort of your, your core stability stuff. Um, I think that, and this is maybe a little bit dated. Um, this sort of tells you <laughs> I'm a little bit out of, maybe a little bit out of touch with this stuff. But when I was studying this closely, uh, the sort of the state of thinking on this was it's really important for for folks doing like functional sports like, you know, swim, bike, run to train um, the ability to generate force in rotation and also to be able to resist rotation. Okay. So the, and again, this is me stealing other people's ideas um so there's some really good there's some really good rotational movements um and movements that resist rotation that is where i would place my my focus on doing like core stability stuff um and then the other the other stuff that was i remember being very you know highly thought of is any kind of postural training and this is you this all of the stuff you want to put at the end of a workout because you want to do it when you're a little bit tired that's where that's how you want to challenge it and you don't want to pre-fatigue these muscles because especially if you're doing big big deadlifts big squats you need you need those muscles to be relatively fresh so you don't want to be you don't want your like core um you know your abdominal muscles your 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 back muscles to be to be fatigued so there's some really good ones like um variations of the pal-off press this is a really good one to look up if you haven't if this is something you haven't done before it's an awesome like cable or or band exercise that's super easy to do if you have a band and it's tremendously good for uh, for you um, and any kind of postural stuff. So posturals are like carries, whether they be overhead or in the rack position. So this is like uh, weights in front of you or even just farmer carries where, you know, you're carrying two equally heavy objects on either side of your body. Um, 
there are values for single-sided farmer carries as well because um, they sort of tick two boxes. But uh, yeah, any kind of carries are really, really good for for postural. And this is, again, you something you want to do at the end when you're al- already a little bit pre-fatigued because if you ever watch, uh, especially the, let's say the middle or even like, let's say the back 75% of an Ironman finishing field, those people started upright and they're no longer upright. <laughs> like those postural muscles have given up. Um, and it's because, and you know, one way to help prevent that from happening is to, is to train them. Postural, postural muscles, muscles are very, very useful. Well, I can understand that for the, the back 75%. They're, <laughs> they're on the course a long time. So, yeah, yeah. um, and you know, just, this is kind of uh, an aside right now, but, uh, I've heard an argument where even pros saying they have more respect for people who spend 17 hours at the limit oh, than totally. the pros who get it over with quickly. And so they're, they're the ones who are slugging it out for you know, oh, yeah. twice the time, basically. Um, so that's a long time to be running and, and biking. So, hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And that's, and that's, uh, and that's, you know, all the more reason to do this kind of stuff. Um, so I think that's, uh, do, do you have any other questions? That's sort of like what I had in my, uh, very rough, uh, chat on, on strength training? No, I think that's, that's going to be a good start for most people. Um, so do you want to do a quick synopsis just, uh, so that everyone has their, <laughs> has the sure. full, the full picture. So I think you the said, full uh, picture. yeah, so start with a warm up, 10 to 15 minutes, uh, try and keep each workout to three to four exercises. Um, and then that would be one of the the four functional movements that you mentioned. So, uh, squat, hip hinge, push and pull. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think you mentioned push and pull can be combined if you're running short on time. Yeah. Uh, and don't exceed 40 minutes. Cause then you're just putting too much time into this unless you've got the time <laughs> that some people do. Uh, and then don't forget about ankles. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say. Like, yeah, add ankles, um, and add, you know, add your mobility stuff or any kind of physio stuff before you start doing the big stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think you've, you've captured it. And then like, you know, once a week is, once a week is good Two twice a week is probably better. Although some studies have shown that once a week is enough, uh, twice a week is probably better. Three times a week, you're probably getting, you know, diminishing returns for sure. Any more than three times, it's just like your strength training for strength training sake, which is great. You know, uh, being strong is amazing. There's so many reasons why being strong is great. But if we're, you know, looking at this strictly through the lens of you know, getting better uh, at endurance sports, any more than three days a week, you're, you're not really, you should be, you should be doing something. You should be doing swim, bike or run instead, I think. So coming from a position where I used to be quite strong <laughs> and I'm no longer, um, I will say it kind of sucks because everyone asks you to help them move. So, um, <laughs> that's the downside, but it is it's so nice to be able to lift something and to know that, yes, this is heavy. Yes. I can move it easily. Um, yeah. and then especially when you, you had that in your past and now you're lifting the same object or something similar and you can barely move it anymore. Uh, that's kind of where I am. So it's, <laughs> it's time to, time to deal with that. So I'm glad we had this chat. <laughs> yeah. Anytime, anytime, Andrew. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, it's, it's snowed a few times in a row in Toronto and like I've shoveled and like, now my, I'm sitting here in this chair, I'm starting to feel my lower back. Like that never used to happen. <laughs> so yeah, I, that's, that's the, that's the plus one for doing it, uh, you know, for paying more attention to it as you get older too. And to be honest, like I'm squirming around in my chair right now because uh, I went skiing today. And I mean, these are all muscles that uh, 
haven't been used in a long, long time. So I have to <laughs> blow the cobwebs off and I'm feeling it right now. So I'm sure if I was doing a little bit more regular strength work, I would have been able to ski longer today. For sure. It, it helps with every, every single aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Um, so listeners, before we, before we sign off today, I just wanted to give a, a quick shout out to uh, our guests from two episodes ago and that's Focuscom. They kindly sent me a demo uh, headband um, for uh, a few weeks so that I could try it out. I'm going to send it back to them at the end of that. Uh, and uh, I, you know, subscribe to their platform and I've just used it, used it two or three times. But one thing that, that I found so far is that it's hard and that the first couple of times I used it, I was like, holy crap. I was like, I'm terrible at this. And I thought I, I thought I was much better at like, at controlling my, controlling my brain. I thought I, I thought my brain and I were on kind of more on the same level than it turns out we are. Um, so at first it was a little bit discouraging. And then I sort of talked myself into the, uh, into thinking about it, like, look, this is training. You know, when you first start something, you're never good at it. You know, otherwise it would be pretty boring. So I'm, uh, I'm totally going to stick with it because I'm now I'm, I'm, uh, motivated to, to get my brain training score higher than it is right now. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep you folks up to date as I, as I, you know, continue to play around with this device, but it is pretty cool. Well, as long as you avoid the delayed onset muscle soreness with your brain. <laughs> I always have delayed onset muscle soreness with my brain. My brain's always like, you've used me too much yesterday. What, why do we do this? That's why like, I usually buy, there's like, there's a day in the week. It's funny that you, it's a, you're laughing, but it's like, it's a really good analogy because there's usually a day in the week where I just have to shut it down where I like, I can't play with my kids. I can't like, I can't, you know, talk to my wife. I mean, like, I need to sit down in a dark room for like two or three hours and maybe like watch a show on Netflix that I watched, you know, three or four times already, or just do like do or read like Wikipedia, like just do absolutely almost nothing with my mind. Probably shouldn't be staring at screens actually, if I'm, if I'm being smart about it, but you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, that's like, that's my brain doms. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so listeners, as always, thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, tuning in and, uh, spending a bit of time with us. Um, if you like the show, tell a friend, uh, give us a rating or a review on the rating side. So I just checked recently. We, according to Chartable, we have 53 five-star reviews, which for our show of our size with our audience, which is, you know, we're pretty good for what we do, but in the scheme of podcasts, we're, we're very small potatoes to have a 53, to have 53 five-star reviews is phenomenal. So thank you so much much for that um and if you haven't done that already you know keep driving us up in the ratings uh we we'd love that uh and a written review goes even further so that would be that would be terrific and uh finally if you're uh if you've learned something that's really useful and that's actually helped you in triathlon or biking or cycling it's the same sport <laughs> this is my brain dom speaking then uh then consider supporting us on patreon as well <laughs> that was good that was like that, it was totally it was also totally unplanned like they were <laughs> uh, that was a perfect finish <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you like that <laughs>